0: Welcome to today's edition of Make Her Space, a podcast
1: about women who dare. Hear inspiring interviews with South Coast entrepreneurs and artisans who've carved out their own spaces and share the challenges and rewards of their often unexpected journeys. Brought to you by The Standard Times and
0: SouthCoastToday.com. And now, here's your host, Barbara LaMonico. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Make Her Space, a podcast about women who dared. I am your host, Barbara LaMonico, and I'm here today with Anthe Frangiatis, who is an architect and owner of the Drawing Room at 36 North Water Street in New Bedford. Welcome, Anthe. Thank you, Barbara. Um, I ran into your shop, I didn't run into your shop, I actually walked into your shop, uh, because my friend Meredith told me that she was selling some cards there, and I was blown away by the beauty of the retail space, and how carefully curated um, the art was, and all of that, and I know that it's unusual, your space is both where you work as an architect, and also have a retail space, so tell me a little bit about it, and it's Genesis.
1: The two of those things are very much combined for me, art and architecture, and when I started my business 10 years ago, I very quickly added a showroom component as a benefit to my architectural clients, where I wanted to add some depth to their design projects and my own work by incorporating the work of other makers. When we talk about building, um, buildings are not about one person or two people, they are the work of many people coming together to create a space for the homeowners or business owners. So the showroom for me, or the drawing room as it has become, was an added service to my architectural clients to be able to collect regional makers and their work and show them how they could incorporate it into their own space
0: amazing and one of the things that struck me when i walked into the retail space is that it isn't just an interesting curation of products of of art objects because there's certainly um textiles and jewelry and paintings and cards but the way that it's all displayed absolutely led my eye around the store in such a pleasing way. Are you the person I'm assuming who organizes everything in that space?
1: Yes, I have <laughs> done a little bit. actually, I've done a lot of a lot of that.
0: And it um, looks like you used design principles. I mean, I'm really not kidding. Sometimes you walk in a retail space and there's just so much and you're kind of your eye doesn't know where to go, but it really led everything leads to something else in the store.
1: So I have found using color, scale, and texture
0: to, um,
1: or as you call them probably design principles, into the store has helped with the displays. Uh, So whenever we are putting out the work that's made by the New England artisans, um, we are constantly looking at size. And color and texture and grouping things together in such a way. Sometimes they're expected and sometimes they're unexpected. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we do and we do change things fairly regularly. I customers who come in um, look at me with a smile and say, "It's changed again." <laughs>
0: Um, how do you um, make decisions about what you are going to be collecting for the retail space? You seem to have a balance of different media, um, different kinds of artists, one, you are more committed to, I think, New England artists. Is it is it predominantly New England artists or all New England
1: it's artists? It's predominantly New England artisans. The majority of them are from Massachusetts and Rhode Island. I do like to say we have some outliers from Vermont and New York and Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the decision-making process, it's many-fold, I suppose you could say. There are a lot of different considerations that go into play, Most of the artisans I have come across in my own travels, Mm -hmm. uh, whether I'm going across state or across town or across the country. Various artists, have we've crossed paths and we have connected. A lot of it has become, for me, a lot of the retail space has become a network or a collection of friends. um, Because when somebody comes into the shop, we're able to tell you, Brenda made this piece, or Janice is responsible for this piece. Michael made that table here in New Bedford. So each piece has a story that we can share with you. And the work, because it's artisan work and original, it is always changing. I like to joke it's similar to a, a um, tagline, never the same place twice. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> right. That we have adopted. Um, so a, a lot of it has to do with who we're working with at the time, whether it's architectural clients or artisans who have crossed paths with us. And being able to make the connections visually has enriched my own work.
0: Fantastic. That makes perfect sense. And I will say, you you talk about collaboration. And one of the constant themes in this podcast for many of the um, women makers and entrepreneurs that that sit in the other podcast chair, is they talk about how important collaboration is to them as an artist, that it isn't just a chance to promote and advocate for themselves, promote their own work and advocate for themselves, but to help others. And I have certainly found that in my own little company is the women who have helped me along the way are invaluable, whether it's that they give me their input on whether they like a logo that I'm going to use, or they help me set up a tent at a market, or they Talk to me about wholesaling, and it sounds like the retail place is this network of, of collaboration, sort of evidence of that. In your own life as an architect, um, one, you're in a kind of male dominated business. I would, and again, I, I don't know the world of architecture that well, but I think it's a male dominated business. Every architect yes. I've worked with has been a male, um, and you're not in a big firm, you are out there sort of on your own. It's you. It's the empty show. So I'm wondering what the role of collaboration has been like for you both as someone who's advocated for other artisans but also made your own way.
1: So, I'm a very collaborative
0: person and that's probably one of the
1: things that I miss about working with a larger firm. So, my past experience, I've been an architect for 23 years and I worked for other firms 13 of those years. I've been out on my own for 10 now. And I must say that that's the one piece that I miss the most, is the collaboration with other colleagues. Um, in my own work and in defining my own firm, um, the fact is that art and architecture are very much entwined for me. So the way that I'm practicing now is very representative of who I am as an architect and who I am as a, per- as a person, So in addition to creating my own spaces for people, and they're not really my spaces. I try to stress they are spaces for other people to use because we all enter into buildings every day. Um, And I'm trying to make those environments nicer. I'm trying to make those environments more joyful for people to enjoy, live and thrive. So the collaboration piece for me in terms of bringing in other artisan work, there are many women, there are also men mm-hmm. who I work with, whether they're furniture designers or glass artisans. One I can think of specifically now, she's based out of Sudbury, she's a glass artisan, while she makes fine art pieces, she also does large glass installations. And she and I have collaborated on many projects, both commercial and residential, where we have used her glass work, whether it's in a backsplash or an elevator lobby or a um, bathroom at a hotel.
0: Oh, that's absolutely amazing. And so your identity, um, I'm always interested again in how it is that many of the guests on this podcast occupy a few different lanes. So you have the hat of an architect, and you do commercial and residential? I do. And then you are a shopkeeper, um, in part, and your space is both of those things. You are the curator, and when I say a shopkeeper, you are the Mm -hmm. buyer, and you are the organizer, the designer of that space. And I'm wondering for you, do those roles seem seamless to you, or do they seem separate?
1: I wouldn't necessarily, somewhere in between. (laughs) It's hard for me to stay in my lane sometimes. Um, Actually, I've been told okay, your lane, you can have three lanes, but you can't have five. (laughs) And don't get off on this exit ramp, (laughs) because that happens often. Um, The way that I think about art and architecture and architecture as art, um, to me, is very seamless. And I understand and I have learned from others that um, they're not a lot of people who think that way. Yeah. Um, so one of my challenges is to be true to myself and be representative of what I do and what I believe in. Um, while at the same time, not confusing the heck out of everybody.
0: (laughs) What would it mean to separate those two? Because I certainly think of architecture as design, and it's certainly functional, but the aesthetic is a huge part of that. So in what way do you think that architecture is often this dualism is created between art and architecture?
1: So I don't necessarily think of it as a dualism. I think about it as one thing. And um, for me, I'm educated at the Rhode Island School of Design, so I went to architecture school at art school. And for me, that was very appropriate and very fitting because I have a very strong technical or mathematical thinking, some would say analytical, but I'm also very creative and very strong in the visual arts. Um, so those two things, uh, and I suppose you know, with my design education, I've learned, or maybe it's been part of me, that architecture is another art form. So the way that some people will use paint or, wo- um, or wood in a sculpture to create an art object, I think about my spaces that I create, whether it's a physical building or just in an interior within a building, um,
0: as... And art space. Yeah. um, I did not know that you went to RISD, and now it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And how impressive. It's um, I'm a big fan of RISD. Thank you. And I've met many graduates who just blow me away constantly in, in many different ways. So um, I know that you had a place in Marion, Massachusetts. And I did. What drew you to New Bedford? Because I know that there's so much going on in downtown now. There's been a real renaissance. And I see it when, and I'm a newcomer to New England, but I certainly see it when I've walked around town and people are saying, oh, that business has been open six, weeks, and that one's been open three months, and this one's in its second year. It's a lot of young businesses that are vibrant and involved in the art scene or um, creative stores that are, are creative. What drew you to New Bedford?
1: What drew me to New Bedford is the fact that many people have been rowing in the same direction, at least that's how I refer to it, for a very long time. I've lived on the South Coast since I graduated from RISD, so for 23 years I've lived here and worked... From here, not New Bedford per se, um, but the South Coast. And I've watched and listened and participated in a variety of different organizations, whether they are nonprofit or municipal. And what impre- has impressed me the most in the last five years is the combination and the strength of people working together with a common goal of revitalizing downtown, so to speak. The fact that art and architecture and history are combined in this historic district, I was very excited about moving to downtown New Bedford because I wanted to come and do my part. It doesn't, like a building, it doesn't happen with one person. And it doesn't happen with one business opening up their doors and saying, hey, come here. It's a lot of people rowing in the same direction And I feel as though downtown in particular in the city of New Bedford have that going for it.
0: It's amazing to me that community engagement and outreach is something that's so important to so many different makers and business people. And in New Bedford, I have talked to shop owners who say, well, I'm on a street that's a little bit quiet, but the tide is turning. And it's taking a leap of faith for some that the tide will turn, that people will come, And by the way, for my listeners, you should all shop in New Bedford because you can absolutely get lost in a lovely way of walking into stores that have just amazing spaces and and products and all of that.
1: There are quite a few that have opened since I have
0: opened and I've only been here just shy of three months. You've only been here shy of three months. I did not know that. And the space doesn't look like it's brand new. I mean, it really looks um, like it's parked and, and been in the neighborhood forever, which I love. And, I, and the cobblestone streets are amazing, uh, stunning. So when we talk about that leap of faith, there are many people listening who, first of all, the fantasy of having a shop your own shop, hanging out, your own sign, is one I think that appeals to many of us, and I certainly have been in that fantasy land of saying, wouldn't it be great to have my own place because there's a certain part of us that wants to be the host of that space and have it our way and the autonomy that it brings. But I know that there are also challenges for many of the guests that I've spoken to um, and incredible rewards. So if you were to balance the challenges and rewards, both as an architect and as somebody who has the retail space, that's really part of, I won't even differentiate the two in the drawing room
1: um there are quite a few of both <laughs> actually uh so in terms of the benefits we'll start i'm am I'm an optimist so we'll start with the benefits first the flexibility of having your own business um is certainly appealing it has been appealing to me it's allowed me to, to do a lot of different things in my life and um also, the benefit of surrounding myself with beautiful work, um, whether it's a handcrafted piece of furniture or painting um, or handcrafted wallpaper, um, I'm very aware of my environment and my surroundings. So, for me, it makes a lot of sense to have to be in an environment, have a shop that promotes that environment, and what and how you can change your environment by changing a paint color on your walls or how you can change that environment by hanging a painting or lighting it a certain way or f- furnishing a room differently. The challenges um, have been that they are two very, they are two very demanding professions, uh-huh. we'll put it that way. Uh-huh. Um, and I have often found that I'm doing the work of two, I have two full-time jobs. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sometimes more it feels that way. But being able to balance the finances and being able to balance the aesthetics as well as keeping all of the balls in the air is probably one of the biggest challenges. But I will say it is very rewarding um, to be able to unlock the doors and lock the doors at night and sleep well. Sometimes. You know, don't have you know,
0: <laughs> you know, your boss calling you. But we are hard on ourselves. And Absolutely. It's very funny that um, since I have been working for myself and not for a boss, I didn't take a vacation day, not at all. And I certainly didn't in my former job, but it occurred to me that we push ourselves so hard when it's our baby, especially, not that we don't work hard for our employers, but when it's your baby. 10 o'clock at night and you're still working and you're still doing one more thing. Um, so I really get that, that I think that sometimes people imagine you're, you know, eating bonbons and having tea with friends and, oh yeah, I'll wander over to my It's a place. lot of additional
1: motivation. I will tell you that. And I think part of that motivation comes from the fact that I love what I do yeah. or we love what we do. Exactly. And that's what drives you to either stay up late or be up early. I tend to be a morning person, um, so it's, it's rare to find me up late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might be an age thing, too. <laughs> right. Well,
0: sometimes I go to bed at 9.30, so well, we'll just put that yeah. out there. But
1: the additional motivation
0: is, um,
1: is certainly there, one, being my own, and two, loving what I do.
0: So one of the things that I think is Um, difficult to balance that I've heard from other guests is when you have your own business in the creative industry, you are your bookkeeper and you are working and making sure you have your insurance and dealing with your taxes. And if you are a tenant someplace, working with a landlord, physical improvements, the structure, your marketing, your promotions, your social media, and then there's the creative energy you need to do your work. And for you, that creative energy is not just architectural projects, but it's also Buying for the retail space. And I know that you do consulting as well. I want to make sure we circle around Mm -hmm. to that because I was really intrigued by it. What fuels the creative energy? Because if you've had a day paying bills and doing all of the kind of nuts and bolts of running your businesses, um, do you ever find that you're depleted with creative? Your creative energy is more depleted. What is it that keeps that full?
1: I do find myself depleted at times, um, both on the creative side and just on the mental energy side. My recent move to New Bedford um, was very mentally draining mm. and mentally tiring. And not, uh, people, would, people would ask me how tired I was, and I would say, you know, physically I'm not tired, but mentally I'm exhausted. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I didn't know where anything was. Right. Um, so the move happened very quickly because it needed to happen very quickly just in terms of we needed to get the businesses moved and up and running in a new location very quickly. I wanted it to happen in a week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we did our best, but we can't, uh, it was a month. <laughs> yeah. um, but I found that exercise this winter to be mentally exhausting. I think taking care of ourselves, uh, just getting rest, eating well, um, getting some daily exercise in does help me. Mm -hmm. Um, On the creative side, and I I think I've just... And I think it's a function of running two businesses. I recognize and I acknowledge that I'm doing my best that I can do every day. And sometimes... um, one or two one or both of those businesses suffer whether it's the creative side or whether it's the um, uh, just day-to-day business side yeah so it's you know we a lot of people talk about balance and I really a lot of people talk about balance between work and personal life it I I don't know if that really exists and um, especially in not so much for me I use that reference between the two businesses, mm-hmm. you know, people often will ask me how do you balance both? And I find myself saying I don't, or I may, you know, I find that you know, when one is on the upswing, the other is on the sort of offswing. But to me there is some harmony or there's some stability to that because I'm able to bring together these two things. Mm -hmm. in a way that makes sense um, for me, in a way that is
0: true to what I believe in. I think that distinction, when we say a balancing act, it's a very Western concept, that you have your work life and you have your personal life. And Americans often, um, when Anthony and I have both lived in other countries, we both lived in Greece, I just for a year or so, and Mm, um, she, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right. But I think that when you meet someone from um, another country, the first question isn't, what do you do? And that's a very Americanism, right? (laughs) And I do think... Uh, earlier in my career, I was worried about balancing work and may have to make sure we have fun. But I think that they can be one in the same thing and it isn't taxing or awful. And it doesn't mean that our work life is all work and that we are never creating or resting. It's that what we love, and our passion is interlaced. So we might be, I get inspired for a new product if I'm at the beach or taking a walk or hiking. And so um, I think it is... Uh, very much a Western construct to think about balance in this very... Absolutely, I agree with you on yeah, that. Yeah, in this other way. And so, um, and with your businesses, it, I don't know, you may lock the door at night, but you, you're never leaving them behind.
1: No, I don't leave them behind. And I do think my nephew, my oldest nephew, he, he lives on the west coast of Canada, or the Pacific Northwest. And um, my last two vacations have revolved around him (laughs) Um, and seeing him and spending time with him. But in those travels, um, I do find myself looking, well, certainly looking at architecture. I look at buildings all the time and environments. But I also find myself in other downtowns looking at shops and what other businesses are doing and seeing what I can incorporate. Um, A funny story that I can share. I was traveling in Washington State last spring and went into a beautiful retail shop that I enjoyed very much, spent a bunch of money. It was, you know, vacation money, as we call it. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> it doesn't count when you're on vacation. <laughs> right. Exactly
1: right. Um, came back with my purchases only to look them up, which I often do, and found that two pairs of jewelry that I purchased were made in Wareham, Massachusetts.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> so I was quite embarrassed.
1: Um <laughs> And I immediately got on the horn, and we now carry Jasmine Keene jewelry. Oh,
0: fantastic. That's <laughs> fantastic.
1: quite embarrassed that I did, was not aware of it and found it in Washington State.
0: Amazing. I love it. So, no, we don't stop working. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm curious about what you love creating the most, and I know that in your work as an architect, you are really involved in a variety of projects. I had the privilege of visiting um, upstairs, and while we talked, you were drawing, and it was absolutely fascinating to me, one, to just watch you draw. And then we talked a little bit about the variety of projects you're involved in.
1: Yeah, so uh, so I work on both residential and commercial projects. I don't necessarily have a favorite in terms of project type. One of the things that I enjoy most about my work as an architect is that I'm able to create a variety of different spaces. And I would say that what I find most rewarding is when People enter a space and are awestruck, Mm. Um, whether that's their own home, whether it's a restaurant or a hotel facility. When you walk in or when you come back to dinner and you say to somebody, you have to go see the bathrooms. They're really cool. (laughs) Um, I like dazzling the users of the space, whether it's... um, like I said, whether they're business people and it's customers or whether it's your own home, whether you have friends over, I like to make people aware of their environment. Mm. And, some, and you don't necessarily have to do that with a lot of glitz and glamour. Sometimes there's some glitz and glamour involved, um, but thinking about things differently or thinking about how things are arranged, that's probably what I find most rewarding about my work is giving somebody a little bit of,
0: Awestruck in their day or um, some joy oh, in their day. Incredible. And tell me about your consulting. So, you the, do color consults.
1: So, the color consult um, has unfolded from being a feral and ball stockist. Farrell and ball is a paint and wall com- paper company, excuse me, uh, from the UK. And I started carrying the line in 2014. So it has a curated palette of 132 colors and a wallpaper line where they use their paint on paper. It's block printed. Oh, wow. So most, where most wallpaper is silk screened, their paper is block printed and it's very textured. So you need to like that about Ferron Ball's wallpaper. It's quite stunning and beautiful. And part of... Um, Learning about the paint and the wallpaper process, one of the things that I came across with my architectural customers is people would get very stuck on having to choose colors, paint colors for oh. their home, especially if we're doing a major renovation or a new new house. It's a lot of spaces to think about at once, and you're not settled. You're not into, into um, the rooms. The default sometimes is to just go all white, yep. um, which is... It's not a bad default. Um, A gallon of paint can be added at any point. But one of the services that we provide is a color consult where we'll come into your home or into your space and make recommendations for color and finish. Um, And that includes, doesn't include, it also includes ceilings. It's not only walls. Oh, amazing. So I always tell people don't forget about the ceiling. You can stick to a ceiling white, but at least ask yourself the question as to whether or not you want a ceiling white.
0: It seems that those are the decisions that are in creating your own space that are agonizing and exhausting, and that people probably get down to the color after they've made a hundred thousand other decisions.
1: Yeah, and that right? may that may very well be the case because it is a lot of decisions to make.
0: Yeah, yeah, I and love if it. If you're not comfortable with it, it's,
1: and you're right, it is
0: at the end. And do you do these even for a single room?
1: I have have done them for a single room.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Um, I might have to take you up on that because I miss default by white. I I like every... I'm like, just when in doubt, just make everything white. Exactly. Um, Tell me what's coming up for the drawing room. Um, Any events coming up or...
1: Yes, uh, July is a busy month for us. So we joined... AHA and we are an AHA partner so we are always open late on the second Thursday of the month can you tell us o'clock. what
0: AHA is for people who are yes not oh I'm area. sorry that's okay
1: AHA New Bedford is an organization that has been um in existence for quite some time mm-hmm. I won't say the number of years because I don't know <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> 20 I think it is <laughs> um a long time and their mission is to promote downtown through art history and architecture they're It occurs on the second Thursday of every month, and there are numerous partners and numerous events um, amongst non-profit organizations, businesses, the community at large, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, fantastic. And so what will it mean for the drawing room? So what it has meant for the past few months for us is a continuation of our events featuring artisans and tying into the theme for AHA Night. In July, it's Kids Rule, so we... Recently redid our storefront to incorporate the work of Scott Courier, who is a New Bedford furniture maker. We have some whimsical cabinets that we think would look great in any kid's room.
0: Oh, great.
1: They are adorning our storefront. Scott will be present on Thursday the 11th. In addition to Carol Way Wood, who's an illustrator and author from South Dartmouth, she has illustrated a fine book of letters, which is mm-hmm. the alphabet um, each letter is illustrated with a small snippet of words. Carol will be with us starting at five o'clock, as will Paul Treneth, the trellis man, and his whimsical Adirondack chairs. And we'll also be featuring palettes for children's rooms by Farrell and Ball. Should be a busy night for us, so July eleventh, and July we're open 11th. till nine o'clock. Excellent. So in addition to participating in AHA Night, we have two workshops this month in the, in the drawing room, one with our friend Meredith Brower um, on July 24th, which is an urban explorer mandala workshop from 11 to 1. There's more information about that on Eventbrite. And similarly, another artisan from Marion, Danny Engwert, will be doing a mandala workshop same day, different time.
0: On Good Grief. Oh, fantastic! Um, thank you so much for being with us today. I You're so very welcome. enjoyed getting uh, to know a little bit more about you, and also I will be in to shop because I can't resist your place. So please thank- do bring friends. <laughs> That's easy to do. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time on Makerspace. That's this week's episode of Make Her Space.
1: Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.